Well, hello. I'm so glad you could be with me today as we are in God's Word together in the Unfolding the Word ministry. If you've been with me, you know we're in the midst of a study of 1 John. We're in the third chapter. For several days, we've been looking at verses 10 or 7 to 10 in that third chapter. I want to move on today and pick up our reading in verse 11 of chapter 3 of 1 John. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever doesn't love abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Well, as I say, we've spent a couple of days looking at the preceding verses, verses 7 to 10, and those verses have turned our attention to what happens in the life of an individual who repents and believes in what Jesus Christ has done for them on the cross. Among other things, God says he makes them a new creature using the terminology of 2 Corinthians 5.17. They're born anew. And that new creaturehood, that being born anew, has made fundamental changes at the deepest level of an individual. One of the characteristics of those changes is that an individual who has come to know Christ discovers within, at the deepest level of their life now, a desire to please God, a desire to align with God's purposes and plan. They want to grow. They want to be like Christ. They want to be obedient to the Lord. A fundamental change. Because prior to coming to know Christ, our basic drive inside is to be the master of our own life. But fundamental change has occurred, and yet we still stumble. It doesn't make us perfect. We don't always align with that inclination. And that's why earlier in 1 John, Chapter 1, for example, we were encouraged, if we know Christ as Savior, if we've sinned, confess our sin, and he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No, we're not perfect if we come to know Christ, but still there's been this fundamental change, a desire for growth. Christ came to deal with the problem of sin. He deals with it, first of all, in order for us to be saved by giving his life at the cross, raising from the dead, and demonstrating that that work at the cross was sufficient to pay for sin's accountability. But he also works to defeat sin and overcome sin, destroying, as the passage put it, the works of the devil, <coughs> by working within us with this new birth, giving us an inclination to want to serve God in a new and distinctive manner. As a result of that, the habitual orientation of an individual reveals the true family they're a part of. If our inclination, not perfection now, but inclination, is to grow, to please God, to align with his purposes, that proves that we're in the family of God. If our basic inclination is to be the Lord of our own life, to be the one who decides what's right in our own eyes in terms of how we live, then that proves that we're not in the family of God, but rather in the devil's family, two great families. 
Now, humanity and its pride wants to believe there's three options, like there's a, it's possible to be independent, but the Bible says that's a deception. Uh, we're either under Satan's control, whether we realize it or not, or we are under God's control. Two families. Now, as we get into this passage I was reading to you today, verses 11 to 13, we discover there that a child of God, one born anew, doesn't act any longer like Cain. It's not only our orientation toward growth that is the focus here. It is our orientation toward how we treat others. Our response to other Christians is meant to be different as a result of having found Christ as Savior. God pours his love in our heart, agape, which is the word used here, by the way, in a response to our repentance and faith. People within God's family, redeemed children of God, treat each other differently, fundamentally so, than people who have not been redeemed and are therefore in the devil's family. Back in the second chapter, we were learning a number of tests to know whether we really know Christ or not, whether we've really been saved, tests that are either to produce assurance or give us none. And one of those tests was the test of agape. God pours this love, agape love, into our hearts when we turn to Christ as Savior. And that love then begins to express itself in selflessness and in dealings with others. And he says, if you find that love within, you know it's the product of God's mercy and grace, and it's a proof to you that you know Christ is Savior. God wants that particular agape now to be continuing to be expressed toward brothers and sisters in Christ. It says something about our redemption. It also communicates to the unsaved world around us something of the truth of what coming to know Christ can do. Just thinking about it in terms of John chapter 13. In verses 34 and 35, it says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Agape is the word here, just as it is in 1 John chapter 3. Just as I have loved you, so you are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have this love for one another. <laughs> now God, in speaking of agape love, says, Listen, this truth about agape is a message you've heard from the very beginning. Verse 11. Certainly it's something they heard early in the teaching that they would have received from John or others who were spiritual leaders in their life. But I think from the very beginning underscores the fact that from the very beginning of the scriptures, God has been teaching us about agape love and the importance of it. And to underscore that truth, he turns our attention to Cain and to Abel. And he uses the example of Cain to underscore for us the fundamental change that occurs in those who come to God properly through the one way that's open and those who don't. Now, the story of Cain is found in Genesis chapter 4, the very beginning of the scriptures, as I say. They, they, they are part of the second generation of humanity in this world. Adam and Eve, that first generation, fell in the garden, fell into sin, and were cast out of the garden. And then, having children, the second generation emerged. One of the things that God taught Adam and Eve in the garden in Genesis 3 and 
certainly was part of what they would have been teaching their children in Genesis 4, is the importance of blood sacrifice as a temporary covering for the guilt of sin. A covering that would point to the ultimate blood sacrifice, the very Son of God himself, who offered his precious blood on the cross to pay for sin. They would have seen that, it would have been driven home to them, and that would have been the essence of their teaching to the next generation, to all of their children, Cain and Abel particularly. The very first post-fall story in Genesis 4 is how Cain and Abel decided to respond to that teaching. Abel, listening to what God had said, accepting the message that was coming to him, certainly through Adam and Eve, said, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm separated from God. I know I've got the guilt of sin to address. I'm going to bring to God the blood sacrifice. I'm going to bring the sacrifice of the animal. That will cover the sin. Coming God's way, Abel came and found acceptance and forgiveness. Cain, by way of contrast, as you remember the story, uh, came his own way. He said, now, I know Adam and Eve, my parents have told me that God said to come this way, but basically I'll decide what I want to give God, not God. And he needs to be and should be satisfied with whatever I decide I want to give him. And so he came with a different type of offering, and he wasn't accepted by God as a result of that. By the way, I'd encourage you to go back and study Genesis 3 to 11, that series that you can find in this Facebook group, to see more of the details of that episode. Cain came his own way, was rejected by God. As the story continues to unfold in Genesis 4, he is angry at God as a result and becomes angry with his brother Abel, who did find acceptance with God. And then the story concludes in verse 8 with killing Abel, murdering Abel, as a consequence of the anger that he felt. Well, join me tomorrow as we continue to look at these verses, understanding from Canaan Abel's experience how agape love is meant to be carried out and the great contrast there is between the world which follows Cain's approach and Abel and the redeemed who follow the way God said to both come to him and find grace to live. Join me then, won't you? God bless.